Yo, welcome to Stars Podcast, the home of Growth Mindset Moment, where we break down the habits, hacks, and protocols the stars use while relentlessly moving forward to maximize our daily potential. If this is your first time, welcome to the fam. If you're a longtime listener, thank you for stopping back. Our guests range from entrepreneurs, C-suite pros, Web3, NFT, and crypto enthusiasts, jujitsu athletes, fitness instructors, mindset coaches, lawyers, and everything in between. They may seem different on the surface. However, when we start to break down the systems they all live by, we quickly realize we're all not so different after all. I'm your host, Ron Jordan, along with my co-host, Alyssa Jordan, coming out of Rosinante Studios in Slippery Rock, Pennsylvania. Let's get into the journey. Today's guest is coming in from the Twitter sphere. Her name is Anonymous NFT. It's a female-led Web3 decentralized autonomous security solution, which is a subscription-based NFT whose benefits include reimbursement of wallet assets lost due to fraud, scam, or theft, regardless of the user's fault. Very interesting application, as we know. Anybody who's been inside of the NFT crypto space, security is a number one priority. Um, so we will definitely jump into that. She also, story here, is was very, very scared to even jump up onto a Twitter space. Um, that's how she and our co-host here, Schmooper Girl, met one another inside of a space. And now, Anonymous NFT runs her own Twitter space. So we'll get into that growth journey as well. Please join me in welcoming Anonymous NFT to the show. Welcome, welcome. Hi. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Obviously, from your intro, you can tell a little nervous, but very excited. Listen, I think it's normal. Like, Ron and I still get a little bit nervous when we interview people or when we jump up on stages, like certain stages in Twitter or like when I take a physical stage at a conference, I have one coming up in a couple weeks. So like there's still a level of nervousness in it. And this is how I like to reframe nervousness about speaking. It means you really give a shit about what you're talking about and you care a lot about making sure that your message is clear. So I think that when people can focus in on that and like realize that what you're saying is really important it kind of that nervousness just pushes us to make sure that we're elevating our standards about what we're communicating. So that that's how I choose to look at it. I really love that message. I think um, as as your intro kind of explained, this is a real full circle moment for me to be talking to you like this in a platform like this. So yeah, it really means a lot to me um, that you that you asked me to be here to be able to to talk in in something like this. So yeah, I'm just gonna take a deep breath and calm down. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have a lot of important things to say. And I think that those things deserve to be heard on any platform where we can make your voice heard. And um, we originally connected on a Twitter space that was being run by Boss Beauties. And one, I was explaining to Ron that one of the things we connected on is we were talking about what the difference between elevating your message and getting your voice out there when your personality isn't necessarily to be extremely vocal or extroverted as it is. And that can be a really hard thing for people to overcome. I, I, I'm, the, I'm a, the baby of the family. I was just born into being loud. But 
being loud and being heard are like really two different things. I've had to work through my life on what it means to be heard because I was always loud growing up and people would would tell me to shut up and go away because I was annoying and loud or whatever. But what ended up happening was as I went through my teenage years, there were lots of situations where I wasn't exactly heard and it led to some really difficult situations. So through through my... I call it maturity, um, but there's a combination of understanding, frankly, the difference between being loud and being heard helped me kind of grow through that. And I made it my goal once I figured out a way to be heard that for people who struggled with that and not because for a variety of reasons, once they're being silenced or two, it's just not in their nature to 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 be the extroverted friend for the person who may not necessarily have those traits. So um, talk to me about this journey for you in being introverted and, and not really comfortable speaking up to now hosting your own very amazing Twitter spaces, by the way. It was like, you're an incredible interviewer. Um, I don't know if you ever knew that you were going to be a credible interviewer ever in your life, but you, you are so incredibly thoughtful. So I want, I want to hear you talk about that journey. Yeah. I just, to come back to something that you said about focusing on your message, I think for me, the more that I honed why this was important to me and really understood what it was I was doing and why it was, I was doing it. You know, when you start, start out, you have an idea, but it really hasn't settled down within you. And so the more I really understood why I'm doing this, what I'm doing it for, what it's about, it became a lot easier to talk about it. You know, if you ask me to talk about myself for 10 minutes, literally I'll go back into the hoodie and like down like this. But if you ask me to talk about something that I'm really passionate about, um, it's so much easier. It's always been like that with my IRL work, um, you know, I've worked with uh, victims of domestic violence for most of my career. Now I'm working in sexual harassment and, and gender-based discrimination. So that I can talk about all day, right? It's so easy. Um, and so starting off in, in you know, crypto Twitter is a really weird place. So starting off trying to talk about a new message, I think, was really hard. And then, you know, it sort of grew to the place where, okay, it's really hard to talk about yourself. So why don't you talk about other people through the lens of something that's really important to you? And that's where I kind of found my niche in being able to be comfortable talking to people because not necessarily that great, like talking to people because <laughs> it, it, it makes me nervous. So talking about, um, talking about things that are important to me and are important to other people, I found has been a lot easier. And I also took literally the advice that you gave me on day one when I met you was find yourself an extroverted friend, someone who's going to shout your name like the loudest in a crowded room. And I went from doing this all alone to finding and meeting people that are those kind of people. And when you find your tribe, it's so much easier to share your message. Oh, that's so beautiful. And it's so exciting too, because that is it. Because here's the thing. When you're focused on talking about the things that you're passionate about and that you believe in, everyone else is going to talk about you anyway. It doesn't matter. Like you open up the door for everyone to come back and say, you know, 
what it is that you're about. So if you're not comfortable talking about yourself, finding that passion and those things that really matter the most to you, that's what matters anyway. Everyone else will find an opportunity to talk about you. That's what that's what your extroverted friends are for. We'll, we'll, we'll keep you amplified so you can amplify your message. And also, I just want to say we were meant to be friends. Um, the, the, the correlation between the domestic violence and like what I'm doing in the tech space and your, um, gender-based discrimination, um, all of that. I'm also, I'm, I'm like, I don't talk about that. I, I talked about it more when I was doing vaginas, but, um, I have my own personal experience with that and sexual harassment and it, and it's such like a, a, I, I've experienced it in, IRL career and also in Web3 um, from really prominent people. Actually, it's insane, crazy. Um, and so those messages can't be amplified enough anyway. You know, raising awareness about domestic violence, understanding how real it is and present it is. You know, I want you to talk about your journey through those subjects too, because I have a feeling that that's what brought you to this really strong focus on security in this Web3 space. Um, I think all of those things are very wildly connected because you're very much about protecting people. So I want you to talk about those that message and what it means to you to really be looking out for others and that journey for you. Yeah. So when I started Anonymous, I have absolutely no tech background. <laughs> I had been in sort of the Web3 space for maybe a month. Um, and I got scammed, which stinks really, really bad. Like it's, it's a really hard thing to happen. Um, but after like a lot of, a lot of, uh, making my way through the swear word alphabet a few times, you know, I was like, there's something that I, I need to do. I have to channel my energy somehow. I've kind of always been like that. So I started brainstorming this idea and along with it, you know, you bring everything that's a part of you into whatever you do. And and for me, working, especially, I've, you know, spent the last five years of my career doing um, gender-based discrimination in employment and housing and, and sexual harassment. And it's not a secret that women are paid less than men, right? <laughs> so um, that leaves less disposable income. Their income goes towards other things like like diapers, like household things, you know, that's a huge barrier to entry for Web3. And I feel strongly that there's so much benefit and, you know, new opportunities to women or people that identify as women that have never been, and people of color that have never been available in other spheres. Like the access is unprecedented to those things. So lowering the barrier to entry, which in this case for me was it's so dangerous like it's really hard to know what you're doing and if you don't think that your investment however big or small is going to be safe you're not going to join and you're never going to contribute to the space like we need every single diverse perspective contributing to this space to make it grow so i think for me is that's sort of where it started <laughs> and then i built a company right and i was a female founder and I was going to a bunch of bros being like, hey, here's what I'm doing. Like, what do you think? And it's like, well, where's your CEO? Where's your, where do you have a, a chief technical officer? Like, 
no one would talk to me. No one took me seriously at all. And it was incredibly disheartening, you know? And I think that's a big part of what I'm doing now is I met other women and other female project founders um, that have gone through the same thing and really realizing that we're so much stronger together. Um, so sort of stacking that growth and power that we have in order to get into rooms. And you would be shocked how much more power and how much, how people will take you seriously. Um, so like you mentioned, having those experiences both in, in web two, obviously, and in web three, um, it's, it's the same sort of thing. Like when I got scammed, it's like, you just, for people that have a passion for causes, you just have to direct your energy towards breaking down that wall. And I think that's sort of what I've been really focusing on recently. And it's very empowering and it's very exciting. So I, I can't agree with you more. Um, and there there's a lot that rides with getting really loud about raising awareness and becoming channeling that energy into raising awareness and and speaking out against those types of behaviors there's a little bit of a you can get some blowback um and it's really interesting to hear you say like how you just weren't taken seriously um and and for me i've experienced some of the blowback of what it means to be loud and to set standards for what i'm willing and not willing to tolerate because i really feel strongly like everything you're talking about in terms of how Web3 functions and and raising money and, and being taken seriously expands out to how we function in our communities every day, too. You know, so you see this, like, this parallel in how all of this work that, that may be being disregarded even in Web3 is being, you know, crypto unsafe and, and not to be taken seriously. We're learning really practical lessons for how to build our communities, how to build venture capital for female founders and people of color, um, taking people seriously, building networks so that we can support one another as we go through this journey. And I hear so much about what you've gone through in Web3 Web and what we're going through over at my current company. It's so funny like to hear those parallels and how it really does uh, translate over. Yeah, I think, you know, we... I think we have power together and I, it's so funny that you mentioned the blowback part and it's really hard speaking out about that because you, you, you hear the whole time, like your childhood advisors, your family, whatever saying, don't burn bridges, right? Don't burn bridges. Mm -hmm. I've heard that so many times, don't burn bridges. And it's like, well, how am I going to share the message to other female founders? Like, you know, don't waste your time and energy going that direction. You know, we, we all know we you like you said, there are people very high up that are able to get a, a, to get away with that. And it's fine. And no one says anything. And then, you know, people keep continuing to, to use their energy towards this one path. And it's like, they are never going to change. So we need to make our own lane and figure out our own way to be as powerful together as they are alone. Hell yeah. I get really tired of being accused of burning bridges too when someone else lit the spark. And the only thing that I did by speaking up about it was maybe add a little bit of uh, 
fuel to it. Like you start the fire, you start you start the whole thing in the first place, but I get the blowback for burning the bridge because I just decided to yell fire. Like you've got to be kidding me. So I I, I it's it, it, being accused of burning bridges, the whole concept of don't burn bridges to me is is completely fascinating and very relatable. I was working, um, I went recently to Chicago to meet in real life with some of the partners that I'm working with on this sort of initiative. It's it's called Unleash Web 3. And essentially, it's just stacking growth, building together, quit the hunger games, no more zero sum. Like, why are we scraping the bottle, the bottom of the barrel for the same 200,000 active users, right? That is pointless. That's absolutely pointless. And we found ourselves literally, we ended up laughing about it, but it, it's sad. We were writing the same email for almost 30 minutes, trying to write around hurting someone's feelings for like, you know, like they were the ones that rejected us. First of all, they're like, you know, hands like this crossed saying, you know, no, it can't be done. You can't do it that way. It's not going to work. You're going to fail. Right. So we're writing an email saying, you know, okay, sorry, you might not be the right partner for us, right? Because you told us that this is not going to work. And it, it's almost insane. Like, why did I spend half an hour of my life trying to avoid like hurting someone's feelings that, you know, like it's that burning bridges thing. They great, straight up told you they don't believe in you. <laughs> straight up said that to my face. Like, this is not going to work. You're going to try it anyway, but it's going to fail. (laughs) And of course, there's something to be said for listening to people that have, you know, are making data formed decisions and have experience in that field at the same time. But like, yeah, maybe they're not the right partner for you. But like, why do we spend so much time tiptoeing around other other people's feelings? I mean, like, at this point, like, kind of a like I'm a business boss now, right? <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. Time to be writing an email for 30 minutes trying to make someone else feel better for them rejecting me. <laughs> so, well, it's a similar conversation that we've we've actually had previously uh with another guest with Miss Nifty was this exact conversation of worrying about others' feelings and and I piped in and was like I I really don't I don't go through that message. Like I don't seem to like there's, I try to get a point across, but I'm really not worried about their feelings because I just don't, I don't think about that. And from three female perspectives, you all really worry about that. And, and I think, and I don't think it comes from like this emotional place. I think it comes from just like you were talking about the not burning bridges. There's only a limited number of opportunities. Holy shit. We got in the room. Why would I? why would I burn this bridge? Like, but at this, and then for me, I'm just like, I got this almost abundance mentality where it's like, well, if this one doesn't work, the next one will work, you know? And that's where for me, I'm getting schooled right now and helping like my buddies understand whenever you see a founder that has a good idea, regardless of gender orientation, pick it up, like pick it up because you need just like just like Alyssa was saying, you need people that are gonna shout your name out and bring you into conversations and meetings. Like I'm already thinking about ways to introduce you to some of my friends just based on what you are doing. You know, and I think that we as especially as 
white facing man, I need to be more mindful of because even I, I had a trip down to Nashville just this past week and I walked home at 1030 at night, never thought anything of it. But after having the conversation with Miss Nifty in my head, as I'm walking back, I'm like, man, how lucky am I that I didn't have to spend money on an Uber to go from, it was like a mile and a half and I could walk from that place to my hotel and not have to worry about it. So like these, these little pieces of, of life that I'm now gathering by having conversations like we're having today um, is giving me a really good perspective and, and a message that I hope that other guys are taking away from this is like, we definitely have a lot of privilege in our lives not wasting time on emails, being able to walk home. So we have more expendable income to invest in things because I'm not paying for Ubers. Like this shit all adds up. And whenever you add up the sum, it's a big difference in our lifestyles. Yeah. And I think that I'll just like pull back on one thing you said and you said regardless of gender or whatever. No, I think that the responsibility really is to acknowledge there is a difference in how female founders get into rooms and people of color get into rooms. So I would challenge anyone who's in a position of privilege, or if that's a triggering word for you because you don't like to talk about that, but if you're in a position... It's privilege. Come on, guys. But if you're a position of power and you understand that there's a female founder or a person of color founder, because like it, it's bad for female founders. It's even worse for, for, for people of color. And then women of color, it's even worse than that. Like If you're in the position of even getting it... Even getting the idea in front of someone else, creating that opportunity, please use that power or privilege, whatever word you're comfortable with operating in, whatever it is, use it to to get that idea in front of somebody. Because we're talking about world-changing stuff here. And by discounting, by discounting it as maybe not feasible because you can't see it doesn't mean that it's not possible and you're missing a complete opportunity to potentially change the world. And I'm speaking from a a lot of personal experience that I can't get into. But I will say like we're we how many opportunities to change the world have already been missed because we just wouldn't listen. Just go back to like what you were saying with the Uber. Imagine four female founders from different parts of every single coast, right? We had to coordinate our flights to all come in at the same time because literally none of us had been to Chicago. And it, like you said, it's not even a thought in my mind, like, oh, well, I can fly in and just go to the hotel by myself. You know, like people are waiting. Think about the time that's wasted. We have to make so much more time in the time that we had because yeah, we had to wait at the airport. You're not gonna leave someone behind even just to take an Uber at 10 o'clock at night in Chicago where you don't, you know, no. And and also, I will point out, too, there are there are male founded Web3 companies, too, that are shouting out people's names and that are willing to take meetings. And that actually, if they won't or if they can't work with you, it's not a match, will literally connect you to someone else. And so it's like. You, you can't burn down bridges, but at the same time, you can't be like, oh, we'll go with these guys because they're literally the only ones in the space who will who will listen to you and give you the time of day. It's like this super weird, stupid conundrum, right? Because, um, you know, I don't want to like be down on everyone because I've met some really amazing people that have listened, that have 
you know, brainstormed that have helped that have made connections to other, you know, funds to other technical people. So they are out there <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And the other thing too is, and I just know this because of what Alyssa goes through and, and like her seed round fundings and being able to be a, a, an actual investor in some of these companies, there's a, there's a threshold that you have to meet inside of those companies. And with crypto and the NFT side, like there, there's none of that. You don't have to, um, you don't have to make a certain amount of income. You don't have to have a certain amount of assets to be a, a, um, an investor inside of say your company. And I think that that's where this NFT crypto space gives us an opportunity as a global nation, really. And like you said, there's only, you know, active 200,000 users, whatever, but that that's going to grow. Obviously it, it has grown. And what I think that is really unique is and a missed opportunity for those who are not taking this meeting is they're not getting a different perspective outside of that traditional market. And even if you just wanted to attack it from a business point of view, it's like, why would you throw away an idea that has an opportunity for global funding? You know, like, are those some conversations that you're having as well? Because I know that you deal with like with pay gap and, and housing issues. And are you having any conversations in your day to day about crypto and NFTs? Or is it more like those those worlds are separated? For me, those worlds are completely separated. I finally just built up my LinkedIn with my like I have two separate lives, right? It's my professional life. I work in local government. And then I do I do crypto Twitter at night, right? And no, they're completely separate, um, which is crazy because of the connection. But yeah, traditional real life people do not understand what I'm doing at all, nor would they really try to understand. Yeah, but the the population that you serve could really benefit from crypto nfts and being able to participate in that ecosystem could really benefit them because it's it doesn't it doesn't like it's not guided by those other principles that have held them down for so long and have been inequality um are you do you let me ask you this do you see an opportunity there to bridge that gap with the population you serve maybe not those that are facilitating the current model but the population itself, do you see an opportunity there? 100%. And I know several women, female founders who are literally doing that, you know, and I'll, I'll shout them out. Um, there's a woman named Nadia in this space. She's called the mom, entrepreneur, but she literally onboards women in Iran, like to web three in secret, just like for those opportunities that you mentioned that they they would not get otherwise, right? Um, you know, Coin Queens does the same thing. There's a ton of of women who are doing that right now. And yeah, I think it's so important because those are opportunities, like you mentioned, to be an investor in like an investment fund, you have to have, I don't even know, it's like $250,000 in the bank to be even be able to participate, right? Um, and with Web3 technology, you know, like with, with Republic crowdfunding, you can give as little as $100 and be a part of this and, and, you know, benefit from the space financially, which is huge. You can't do that here 
in the US or in other countries. So yeah, I mean, long-term, hopefully that, I see Web3 long-term and, you know, I, I haven't talked about this a lot. So it, this is the alpha, right, for my project, but we did sort of a rebrand um, when another project came in and, and took my white paper and published it as their own on the internet. That was a little, that was a little stumble in the road, but it made me realize like, if I want to differentiate myself, I need to be so much better and so much higher than everyone else that I am untouchable. And so I sat back, I spent the entire Christmas break. I took two weeks off of work. I printed every listenosis. I was on Westlaw. I printed every single journal article I could find every single paper I could find about web three blockchain contract law. Um, you know, uh, let's see, agency rights, like literally everything that I could find that converged. And I came up with an idea and I wrote a brief. It's 155 pages. I shopped it around to several law firms and it got really great response. So then I started shopping it around to several different states and got really good response. And then I got a grant to build it. And I am building a peer-to-peer risk-sharing platform. So you don't say the word insurance because it's not. And it will allow people to own their own risk instead of the transfer of risk to a third party and all the fees associated with that. You own your risk. And I think it's pretty darn revolutionary. (laughs) Hell yeah, it is. Like it's bringing, it's the concept of like, you know, self-funded insurance is something that's been around for a while where, you know, this is where my background in, in actual health insurance, I have to go through that path to get to it. But I mean, that there, there are people who self-fund their health, the companies that self-fund their insur- health insurance. Um, and they, they essentially assume all the risk, but they always have like, they always have stop loss coverage on the back end and, and things like that. So this, this is revolutionary. This is, this is world changing. Yeah. Imagine self-insurance or group insurance, but with a window so that you see exactly how the money is being spent. You see every transaction that's on the blockchain. And instead of putting your faith in that, you know, group insurance provider or the self-insurance provider, you literally only have to trust the blockchain. As soon as I press execute on that smart contract, it will only ever do what it was programmed to do. And you can trust that. And the the amount of money that you are able to save by doing that, like you said, I think it's life-changing. I'm using it in this small, tiny capacity, but, and again, this is not my idea. There are scholars that have been theorizing about this for like the past five years, right? Um, But yeah, the applications of it in other fields like health insurance, um, like, like parametric crop insurance, things like that. It's, yeah, it's life-changing technology, I think, that hopefully um, we'll start to bring it a little bit more mainstream for people when you, when you put it into like a connection that they sort of can feel in touch from their own lives, it makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, no, totally. And, And I think the way I think about it is this, is we pay astronomical premiums for things like car insurance and health insurance and things like that. And no one actually knows how that premium is derived. And it's based upon your risk profile and how much the insurance company thinks they might have to pay for you over time or in a limited amount of time so that that risk is spread out. So they're collecting all this money 
and you have no idea why it, the the justification for it because it's all formulas and stuff that's all behind the scenes that you don't get to see and this window you're providing gives people a true line of sight to what all of that means that's anyone who understands has ever been confused about that process will have a little bit of enlightenment now yeah, 67% on average of what you're paying in insurance is going to fees or waste. And administration. Yep. Can you back up and tell me what parametric crop insurance is? I was going to ask that too because I have no idea what a parametric okay. crop is. So, I was about to Google it. Honestly, <laughs> that's where I started down this rabbit hole because it, that's like the best use case for blockchain technology because you know like in the news sources, it's published. Like if a crop if a crop of locusts comes and like eats all the plants, right? That's tracked in weather patterns. That's tracked in all different sorts of things. So with parametric insurance, essentially, they don't even send an adjuster out there. And, and again, this is theoretical, a theor theoretical use of the blockchain, but like you can have your smart contract scrape data from certain sources that you identify to say, oh yeah, there was a crop of locusts that flew into Missouri on X date. And so-and-so did their claim saying that their crops were eaten by locusts on X date and the payout goes out. There's no human involved in it. It's just complete no waste straight. So there's definitely a high probability of fraud there, yeah? No. It's lower no. because they can validate it through data. No, so it's but like, the crop, like the farmer could say. No, because they can track that the locust, they, so para, I've just done a quick Google of this. Parametric crop insurance is taking data from actual incidents in nature, including weather and, and other things that are tracked and traced through other mechanisms like satellite feeds and, and other types of things and determining whether or not there are relevant events for which a farmer may have had a loss on a crop or an incident on their in their farm so that a person never has to come and say, oh, yes, in fact, locusts ate your crops. They can validate it through like this external data and resources they have access to and incorporate into their underwriting and, and administration structure so that they just know. And you're taking out all the fees that go along with that. So in the incident that you did have a fraudulent occurrence, which would be pretty rare to like be able to trick, you know, satellite data, weather patterns and things like that. Like it's already built into the cost because you're saving so much money. So essentially we've taken that model and are using um, a third party partner rug pull finder. They've put together 10 factors of data. So we're not quite at parametric insurance where we're using satellite data and things like that, but we've come up with this sort of list of 10 factors that they will analyze after each claim and make sure go down the checklist that it meets these factors. Um, and again, yes, could fraud occur, but this is going to significantly reduce it by having this process. Um, so, you know, but hopefully eventually the more on-chain data we have and the more, you know, people are willing to share their data, um, you know, moving towards that sort of model in all sorts of insurance types. Yeah. I, I want to dig in a little bit on sort of the growth mindset side of this, because that's all what we're about here on growth mindset moment. So if you, 
if you go back to those initial ideas that you had about wallet security and where you're at now, where do you think you you had that that moment of of doubt in your idea? And then how did you make it through that moment of doubt to get to this to this? I mean, this is like holy shit. You know? So now now you're at holy shit moment, but before whenever people were like Yo, this ain't gonna work. What are you even? Why are you wasting your time? How do you get through that? So I can trace several moments like that. You know, when I first started and I was scammed, I was like, "I'm done. This is," and I hate saying this out loud. It's so weird to talk about, but I was like, "I can't believe that I ever thought that I was smart enough to be doing something like this, to be investing in something that's so complicated." you know, you're just so hard on yourself. And I did want to give up. I didn't want to be, I didn't want anything to do with this. Um, But the nice thing about Web3 is it gives you connections to people that you would never have met um, that, you know, supported me and that said, no, like, you know, you have this idea, like you should, you should go for it. You should try it. And so, you know, that was part one where I sort of threw myself into this sort of idea, but really, really where it sort of happened, I think I had been grinding and you see me on Twitter. I was going so hard for so long, months and months and months in the build up to the launch that I was planning for my initial, my initial project. And three weeks before, you know, this other project came out and literally published my white paper word for word and was going to launch two weeks before me. And I was just like, this space is too small. Like I myself don't even have the metrics. Like it, it was a crisis of faith. It was just like, again, what made you think in the world? Like you're a civil rights attorney. What are you doing? Like, why did you even want to do this? Like, (laughs) I've never, I, I've never wanted to be a business person. Mm-hmm. I've never wanted to do math or run the finances of a business. None of it. And I was just like, this is your sign. This yeah, is we don't sign. go to law school to do math, y'all. Okay. Mm-mm. Not at all. And and also, by the way, like crypto and Web3 like finance is not very transparent. And you know why that is? Because nobody knew what they were doing with their money either. But that's another, <laughs> that's for another episode. I just, I was like, I'm done. I literally, I hate saying it, but like, I was like, I'm, I'm not smart enough to come back from this, right? Like I've put my all into this idea. I've put every single brain cell into it. And this was the best that I had. This was it. So if that's my best, then it wasn't good enough. Um, But by that point, again, I had met so many more people that were like, no, this is important. Like, go back to the drawing board, just try one more time and see what's out there. Like, okay, yeah, maybe this is the best. Maybe this is the end, but like, give it a try, give it one more try. And I said to myself, I, you know, as you know, from being a lawyer, like I have one really, really strong skill and that's research and writing. And so I went back to the basics. I was like, there's one thing I know that I'm good at. It's reading and writing. So all I'm going to do, all I'm going to commit to doing is just that. I will read more. 
I will learn more. I will be the smartest person in the room about this one topic. And if that's not enough still, then that's fine. I've tried. So I and literally still, my apartment's a mess, but like I have, I mean, two feet of, of paper that I went through the month of December reading, highlighting, writing, learning. I didn't know what parametric insurance was. <laughs> Nobody knows what parametric crop insurance is, right? I do now. If you ask me now, I know everything about it. I know every article that's ever been written on it. So the more that I started reading and learning, the more excited I got about reading and learning and kind of branching off into these new topics. Cause it felt like, for me, it felt like there's a paper that hasn't been written yet. You know, that's tying together all of these different parts of information um, that is relevant to something that could be really, really huge for people. There are applications of this that, that go well beyond what I'm doing. And that's where I just got excited again, because I tapped into what excites me, what I've always loved doing, which is learning. And, you know, from there, it was kind of like a train that couldn't stop once it really clicked for me that like, you know, there's all this information that hasn't been put together yet. And you know what? I am the smartest one on this. I can put this together. Maybe it is me. Maybe that's what I was meant to do, was to put this information together in a way that puts all the puzzle pieces together into something that works. Um, and again, I'm still, I haven't figured it all out. I'm working with really smart people now. Um, I'm working towards a goal, but, you know, it's so funny, like, when I started talking, being so nervous. And like, now you can see the difference because I'm so passionate about this. Um, so yeah, that was, that was my mindset change is resetting back to, you know, whatever, I am smart enough to do this and I can do it and I will do it. So <laughs> that piece to me is the beautiful part is whenever you got to a point where you you maybe doubted yourself a little bit. You went back to your strengths and you just doubled down on them and really executed in a big way. Yeah, it's uh, the two words that kept popping into my into my mind is relentless and resilient. Um, those are the two biggest things. And and the way you didn't necessarily feel resilient at the beginning, you felt exposed and and violated to a certain extent, and self doubt creeps in. But you embraced things that that you're good at, researching, writing, reading, and learning. And as you dug into those things that you're strong in and that builds your confidence, the, the relentless resilience bubbles up and it allowed you to create something new from 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 what was left over and that that's incredible that's that's a strong that's that's a framework for so many people that we miss that like it's a framework that maybe I've even missed in my own life and in rebuilding but going back to what make builds your confidence going back to the things you know you do well even if even it's something like who sits and says like well I'm really good at reading and writing and 
and researching like you know like you know what well this is because it's because like as an attorney um in uh, as educators lots of fields the a baseline skill is research um so to fall back on something really foundational and really making it the foundation for resilience and relentlessness is 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 incredible and very inspiring um for me and i know it's going to be inspiring for so many too yeah, I hope so, you know, and I think the biggest advice I would give if you've been in that place where you think that it's over, right? You think that there's nothing left that you have to give. Like, I thought I had given everything. I mean, you saw me on Twitter. I have a full-time job. I was spending another four to six hours every night doing Twitter graphics, doing spaces, all this stuff, right? So much work. And I was like, I have nothing left to give on that. And I didn't commit to creating a new type of blockchain-based insurance. I committed to first step, you know, when I'm at work, I'm gonna use my Westlaw subscription and I'm gonna print out a bunch of articles, right? On one topic. And I read all those and it was like, okay, well, I'm gonna read on another topic now and another topic and another topic. And it still wasn't, I'm not committing that I'm still going to do this. It was just little step by little step that, like you said, it built my confidence. Like I, I still I was never committing. I'm so non-committal. So it was like, I'm never committing that I'm really gonna do this yet, but I'm gonna keep taking those little steps until it was to the point where like, I couldn't not commit to it, right? because I learned so much and like, I saw so much and your brain starts turning like, you know what, maybe this was meant for me. So. I'm, I'm blown away. That's incredible. Can I ask you an off topic, a little bit off topic question just as a civil rights attorney? Yeah. Talk to me about how you feel about the new newish NDA regulation. Uh, the, the the where you're not you're not permitted to pre NDA a person for um, claims of of you know I should have probably actually I like I just thought of this so like this is like really off the cuff so hold on yeah, Gretchen Carlson's organization um, really was backing this and that's the only reason I know about it is because like I I Gretchen Carlson like you know. I, she has she's got a pretty historic experience with NDAs and sexual harassment. Is this like though so it's been a while since I've done like EEOC type work. So is this for actual organizations that have like more than 10 employees or is this more in like the contractor type? The Speak Out Act. It prohibits employers from using non-disclosure agreements and those addressing non-disparagement to block the victims of sexual harassment and assault from making their stories public. Well, that, wait, they're saying that they can't do that? That sounds good. Yeah. So what they did was they, so yeah, so what they did was they essentially made a regulation for employers that you can't pre-NDA someone against speaking out about sexual harassment as a condition of employment is the way I'm getting it. And I may be... um Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, those NDA, NDAs that you give out when the employers give out at the yeah. beginning. So, yeah, I just wanted to know how you felt about that. 
thing uh, from the start, obviously. So the majority of my work right now is in fair housing um, and sexual harassment in that context because it's huge. So I haven't been doing the- Are you, wait, 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 wait. Okay, so forget I said anything about Speak Out Act. Let me, let me dig into this. So I, so talk to me about that then. So sexual harassment and fair housing have a path together? COVID-19 made it, we saw an uptick, not just we, like nationally, federally, saw an, an uptick of quid pro quo sexual harassment in in housing. Yeah, so essentially landlords taking advantage of women who weren't able to pay their rent and saying, you know. Okay. Quid, quid pro quo. Yep. Um, so there was a huge landmark uh, federal case that made it very clear that that is an example as if it shouldn't have already been but the, like that's sure. an example yep. of quid pro quo uh, harassment um, so we have seen a huge huge uptick in cases and that is pri that's primarily um, the work that I've been appointed to do is handle all of those cases to make sure they're being handled the same way wow that's something yeah, that I think that well, I mean, I just, I just love that. Like, even we're spending a second talking about this because it's not an issue that like would have occurred to me in an organic way. Is that that aspect of of? I mean, it makes sense completely. It's not like it doesn't take me long to get there and how it's possible at all. Um, but for for folks to even be experiencing difficulty or having to experience sexual harassment when they're trying to secure something as basic as shelter, shelter, um, and it having enough of a presence to assign people to pay attention to it, to ensure that it's being handled consistently should be shocking. Um, yeah. Should be shocking to people. Doing a ton of outreach. We've, produced content like trying to make it accessible content like by using animated videos we've got ads on our buses where i live um because yeah honestly a lot of women don't even know that that's no that's it like i'm just trying to think of like with. i'm trying to think of like how would like any time that i was specifically when I, like i was a single mom and i was you know trying to find a place to live as a single mom and things like that and and if I had experienced that, would I believe that it was even worth being actionable because maybe I couldn't afford to hire an attorney to to go after someone or even know? Like, I, who has time for that? You're busy working and paying your bills and just trying to provide shelter, food shelter, and, you know, um, basics for your family. So, awesome. I'm I'm really – so everyone out there, like, if, if you've experienced sexual harassment in any way or, or – or been solicited to perform anything inappropriate in exchange for rent or access to housing. Online at HUD, you don't even have to like call. They can they have an email complaint, or you go to your local um, office of fair housing or equal opportunity, equal rights. They're called different things in different places, and you can file a complaint. Well, there we go. So I'm really glad we had that little tidbit. I'm glad. I, even yeah. if my original thing didn't didn't hit, I'm really glad we got to this because that's a great snippet 
to really raise awareness in a practical way on something that um, I would have never even thought of had we not had this conversation. So, And it's attacking at the most basic need in our life is to oh, have God. safe shelter. And in a, a moment of crisis, right, during COVID-19, so many people lost their jobs or lost hours and weren't aware of the rental resources that were out there and felt like this was their only option. And people took advantage of that. But back to your other thing, um, not knowing anything about that and, and having previously done EEOC work, the things that I have seen that employers have done is, as you know. So yeah, I think that's wonderful if, if people are not forced to sign an NDA. I don't even know how that would have been legal in the first place to make people sign NDAs about something. Like you're always allowed to report criminal activity. So me that would seem like a contract that's not valid but well i so i think historically the way that that companies like it's not uncommon that you're asked to sign a non-disclosure agreement as, as a part of your employment package because but it's usually for the purposes of protecting trade secret proprietary and and information that you know the company would deem confidential and i think the overstretch that it's been then broadly applied to is when you raise an hr concern around sexual harassment, um, retaliation, intimidation, any of those types of things, which are, you know, covered separately and should should have been. And I think one thing that this this, this new law that was signed into um, law last year, I think the reason why that that's so important and so interesting is because it, it, has, it makes it clear that an employer cannot deem an investigation into sexual harassment or allegations of sexual harassment or anything or being victimized by sexual harassment, one of those things that a company can deem confidential in that blanket NDA that you signed at the beginning. So it forces employees to employers rather to really have um, a honed in definition of of what is confidential information uh, for employment based NDAs and excludes bad behavior um, and victimizing your employee is one of it, which seems like, by the way, should not have taken so long to accomplish. But here we are. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, here we are. Well, Anonymous, this has been an absolute pleasure. And I have learned probably more than I even expected I was going to learn today. And I'm I'm glad that people shit on your idea and stole your idea at the beginning because this has really thrown you in a direction of just absolute growth, relentless forward progress. The whole entire thing is like it's our ethos is exactly what you're living. And I'm glad that um, I'm glad that you set aside the time today to come on and enlighten us and our listeners. And boy, I I, I really just can't wait to uh, to start sharing all of this information with with my crew as well. So is there anything else you'd like to get across to our listeners before we uh, part ways for today? Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. Thank you, Alyssa, for inviting me. Like I said, this is literally my full circle moment. I think I'd been on Twitter for a week when I met you and you were <laughs> the guest on the first space that I ever spoke in. And I was so nervous. So almost a year later to be talking to you like this is kind of mind blowing. Like 
where life can take you if you try and you put your passions where your mouth is or whatever the saying is. <laughs> um, so I'm just so grateful. And this this was amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, no, it's Amanda. It's not it's like I call myself anonymous because that's my brand. But literally, I'm Docs. My name's Amanda. It's nice to meet you. <laughs> so nice to meet you. Hello, it's, Amanda. It's it's a it's truly an honor. And it's been such a, a beautiful thing to watch your your brand and your idea grow and shift and watch you go through this journey um, as like a, a bystander. It's been it's it's truly inspirational, and I'm really glad you got to share a part of that today. Um, and and I usually say put your money where your tweets are. So I'll put out there for anyone listening. Put your money where your tweets are. If you're in twi- in the Twitter sphere, um, put your money where your mouth is. Support support female founders like this. Support support ideas, hearing ideas, um, because this is either what you get the the opportunity to help build or you have to live with missing out on if if you don't. Yeah. And thank you so much personally for your support. When you say like find yourself a friend that's the loudest in the room for myself and for so many others, you are just so outspokenly passionate and supportive of the things that people are doing. Like you are always the first one to shout out something that I put out there or just to like it and support it. And I, you know, we're all humans. It means so much on a day when you're feeling down, you just don't know what that can mean to someone. Like I wasn't vocal about what was going on. And like, you were still there always in my corner, always supporting. So that's something I would just, I try and be, be the Alyssa. The, the Alyssa <laughs> oh, thank you. Really? No, it, it's, it, it's, it's a part of, of just building um, the community in that space that I want to have IRL as well in real life, you know, is you can't just talk about it. You have to do it. And showing up for people really isn't that hard. It's really not that hard. So that's where it comes from. And it's so easy to show up for someone like you, Amanda, like, and never let anyone make you feel or think any different. Yeah, set those reminders, show up to spaces, share the tweets, share the information, um, you know, always keeping that open mind and putting together the the puzzles just like uh, Amanda did is, uh, I think that's really where it's at. Keeping your ears open, thoughtful ideas and being able to connect one another to uh, to help each other out. That's, that's I think, what the main, what my main takeaway is, is just like understand and have an active ear whenever you're listening and um, don't, don't be short-sighted really. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, I hope to have you on our Twitter spaces here at some point and uh, we'll shoot you over an invite for that. But uh, for now, we're going to part ways as always enjoy the journey. Take care, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for staying here until the very end. If you would do us a favor and leave a comment or review wherever you downloaded or streamed this podcast from, that goes a long way to help us spread the word about growth mindset. If you're a Web3 native or looking to get started, you can catch us over at Twitter on Tuesday nights where we host the Twitter spaces at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard. There are unique surprises for those of you who attend those shows in addition to our podcast here. It's a Rug Radio production. Until next time, enjoy the journey.